Thursday night on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ayla Schwarvar, Justin Cuthbert. We're going to be joined in a couple minutes from Sweden. Frank Saravelli is going to FaceTime us in from Avicii Arena. One game down, a couple to go over at the Global Series. Uh, your Toronto Maple Leafs don't play until Friday, tomorrow at 2 p.m. A little daytime viewing experience. We'll tee all that up with Frank. And then at 6.30 in the second half of the show, Ben Verlander will join us, host of the Flippin' Bats pod, a Shohei Otani specialist, because mm-hmm. we got some Shohei to Toronto. Fire is starting. They're stoking it, and we're all for it. I'm cooking. I'm ready to hear some Shohei rumors. So Ben Verlander will join us in the second half of the show. Yeah, that's just what the doctor ordered was a specialist on Shohei Otani because every day now it seems like a new insider is talking about the potential. Mm -hmm. Not the potential. That's probably taking it a little bit far. But just linking, you know, using Shohei and the Blue Jays in the same sentence, uh, even if that... Uh, we got to get to the bottom of it. And I think the Shohei specialist, that is Ben Verlander, will help us get to the bottom of it. The most recent news was uh, Ken Rosenthal, of course, wrote an article this morning. uh, And the title of the article is like, oh, NL Cy Young ballot. And it's got a couple things in there. And that the very last sentence is a potential sleeper in Shohei's free agency. And when you go into the article, a rival executive is viewing the Toronto Blue Jays as a sleeper for Shohei Otani. So if that's just one person, I'm all for it. <laughs> Give me that one person's rival executive thoughts because that would be amazing. Yeah, can he just make all the decisions? He or she make all the decisions? <laughs> can they just decide where Shohei Otani is going to end up? I mean, I'm kind of the cynical approach here if it's me when it comes to this because, yeah, everyone's got their different objectives, mm-hmm. right? And their different agendas, why they would link this to that or this player to this team. And it's, you know, it's we've seen this story told many times in the Toronto market, especially with the Raptors and the Blue Jays. So mm. part of me thinks this is a lot of smoke and mirrors and that there's something else else at play. But uh, maybe Verlander will surprise us. You think always the bridesmaid, never the bride when that's, it comes to Toronto and superstars. Seems, that's what it seems yeah, to they be. they got Kawhi once. Yeah, but they had to trade. You know, they had to like they ruffle still got feathers. The guy, though. Trade. And then Kawhi, first chance he had to leave, he... He, in fact, got left. A, you got a ring. You got the ring. Might be worth it. Okay, Frank Saravelli from DailyFaceOff.com joins us. Oh, Frank, what's going on there? Uh, how's Avicii Arena looking? Uh, it's a really interesting place. How are you guys? <laughs> We're good. Are you jet-lagged? You look wide awake, ready to rumble. I know it's like midnight there, so we appreciate you coming on. <laughs> yeah, just after 12 local here. Uh, I'm good. I'm, I guess I'm still on Eastern time, so <laughs> no issues for me. Frank, proven there's levels to the insider game right now in oh, Sweden. Oh, I see uh, what you did there. There you go. Uh, do they play a lot of Avicii and Avicii Arena, just as an aside? Not one song I didn't hear. Wow. You didn't hear or not one song wasn't? I, I didn't hear them play one oh, Avicii song, some, That's That's, uh, that's an issue, I, I think. Well, tell us about the, the vibe. What's it like? The NHL in Sweden, the atmosphere, in what ways maybe an NHL game is different or the same when in Sweden as opposed to North America? Well, what was the same is that the entire game, uh, at least presentation-wise, was all in English, which I thought was fascinating. I expected more Swedish. Um, for atmosphere and entertainment, first off, you got a tremendous game with the Sens blowing a 4 nothing lead uh, and then eventually digging it out in overtime with an unreal Tim Stutzla goal. But this crowd was engaged. It was electric. Like It was one of the better atmospheres I've seen regular season NHL hockey In years, Uh, they were into every facet of this game, every save, every shot. And it was nice to see these are true 
dyed in the wool hockey fans that rarely get this type of opportunity and certainly are relishing it. Does it feel like a lot of NHL specific fans or hockey fans in general, any North American people seem to have come over or kind of like a mixed bag of fans? It's a very mixed bag. Um, I had fans of all walks on some of my flights over here. (laughs) Sens fans, Leafs fans. Uh, Walking in, you see LA Kings jerseys, Florida Panther jerseys. I mean, it's all over the place in terms of what that makeup looks like. I will say that it does seem to me like the two most popular teams in Sweden. I've seen a lot of Red Wings garb and there were a ton of fans here tonight. But also the Leaf fans are certainly here as well from the Boreas Alming days uh, to Matt Sundin. There's been a ton of great Swedish Leafs over the years that I think have been a big uh, influence here in this country in terms of how they view the game and and now certainly their fandom in the NHL. Uh, we'll get to a big Swedish star in William Nylander in a second, but did want to ask because it's like it's just looks like there's Swedish royalty everywhere, or at least hockey royalty everywhere. Uh, any good conversations, any good run-ins today at the game? Because it seemed like anyone who was someone in the Swedish hockey world was at Avicii Arena today. Uh, it certainly was. Uh, you had Daniel Alfredson for one on the bench with the Sens, which I thought was fascinating. <laughs> you had uh, Nicholas Lidstrom dropping the puck and also doing the uh, post-game player of the game, which they don't normally do in the NHL. Uh, that, of course, went to Tim Stutzla. Mm-hmm. And then in the stands, they would show Marcus Naslund or whoever it might be that's here um, you know, from NHL lore. They, they're not missing this type of opportunity. Henrik Zetterberg's here. Nicholas Cronwall's here. Like The whole group seems to be here. Matt Sundin is around. Um, it's a pretty special weekend here. Is the biggest current star happen to be William Nylander and specifically a Swedish current star as well? I think he's pretty much it. I mean, in terms of the being the top guy here and, and certainly understandably so, um, he's he's really one of the most dynamic players in the league. And so um, that part certainly is not lost on the Swedes and they're excited. I know he's excited too. He was saying that uh, his grandmother is going to have the first chance uh, to see him play live in an NHL game on this trip. So little things like that, I think go a long way. His opportunity to uh, show his teammates uh, the city, a few good restaurants here. Uh, I know the Leafs had a team dinner tonight that they had planned. And so there's lots of things going on in relation to this trip is everyone that's not related to the Leafs groaning about how it seems like the Leafs got the easiest (laughs) of the four schedules out there in Sweden uh not groaning but I think it's not lost on anyone (laughs) that the Leafs uh also did not give up any home games as well Mm. uh it's a reminder that um the Leafs are if not the top revenue drawing team on a per game basis based on gate then they're certainly in the top three as a league official confirmed to me this evening and uh the nhl they say they don't make money on these games this is a kind of hey let's see if we can break even because of the cost involved to come here but because of the uh first off rich history sweden is the third biggest provider of nhl players behind canada and the u.s and in addition to that all of their different business partners here they want to try and find a way to present this game front and center this whole weekend in terms of not just you know giving back to uh stockholm but also some of the youth hockey players here to get nhl hockey in front of these guys that you know 
you can't stay awake until two, three o'clock in the morning to watch these games uh, locally. So that part has been big. And uh, I think certainly everyone realizes the impact that the Leafs have on a business standpoint, the Sens giving up two home games, the Leafs getting a pretty sweet deal out of it. You get to come to Sweden and knock out two road games on one trip. Uh, chatting with Frank Saravelli of Daily Faceoff, uh, you mentioned you know the the uh, the large group of Swedish hockey royalty that is there uh, being involved. But it, how, like, how much further is it going in terms of celebrating hockey history in Sweden? Like, how are the likes of Borja Salming and so on being recognized and celebrated? Is there anything extra that's going on to sort of acknowledge you know how important this market is and the special things that Swedes have done in the NHL? Well, I think for one, the fact that you have the NHL playing, it's the first time ever that they're having four teams play four games in four days um, outside of North America. That's never happened before. It's usually just two teams going to one city and playing each other twice. What's the fun in that? This is a much bigger event. There's a fan fest, a fanfare. Um, On top of that, you mentioned uh, honoring the legacy in the past. Uh, The NHL Alumni Association, Glenn Healy, was here today with an award ceremony presenting for the first time ever the Borea Salming uh, Courage Award. And that went to Nick Lidstrom for his work in the ALS space, trying to raise money for the Borea Salming Foundation. And so uh, there's been a lot of those types of things happening around the game. Also, the NHL and the NHLPA and uh, Executive Director Marty Walsh is here. Uh, They're meeting at some point this week and to continue their talk about international hockey and how they can get to a point where finally, once and for all, we have a true international calendar with a World Cup of Hockey on the books for the next number of years in addition to uh, participation beginning with the 2026 Winter Olympics in Milan. We're often talking about expansion in a lot of these other leagues, uh, NBA, NFL, MLB. I wonder if the NHL actually would ever do an international expansion. And as you mentioned, Sweden would probably be one of the best spots to do it with the third most uh, uh, representation of players. Is that something you really see down maybe in the next 10, 20 years? I have a hard time believing it. And for me, I think the one thing that would have to happen in order to make that a reality or a possibility is you'd probably have to create an entire European division. It's not hard to dream up what those cities might look like based on the places that the NHL has already visited. You know, you've got Stockholm and Helsinki and Prague and probably London and maybe Paris. And you could go to Cologne, Germany, or pick a great German city that has a rich hockey history. Maybe even a team in Italy like Milan or wherever it might be, Switzerland. There's all sorts of options. But I think in order to get to that point, uh, the next question is, okay, so how do they fit into the greater league landscape? What do the Stanley Cup playoffs look like? These are all things that I think they haven't even really begun to discuss outside of being potentially a twinkle in the eye of the next commissioner, whoever that might be, and whatever continent that person is or isn't standing on right now. Okay, let's touch on a few hot-button items in the NHL. Uh, John Klingberg, we believe, is in Sweden, although there's no sighting of John Klingberg, at least for us here in North America. (laughs) He's the ghost in Gothenburg. Uh, I wonder if the Leafs are going to try to make him a ghost. What are you hearing about uh, his future with the Leafs and, and where this might go? Because there's some strange circumstances and conversations surrounding Klingberg after he was scratched or he was injured and he was back. And then he was ruled out before they basically even touched down in Stockholm. So what do you understand is going on right now with John Klingberg and the Leafs? 
It's a great question. I wish I had more insight or answers for you, but I got to tell you how weird it was last week having some spies at practice, um, basically seeing him healthy, completely healthy and participating in practice fully only to then the next game be injured and unable to play. And then, oh, by the way, back-to-back games, back in the lineup once again, and it was like nothing ever happened. I personally felt like that would have been a smart moment, especially with two games in a row, to take a step back, a hard mental reset, and say, hey, John Klingberg, you need to get your head screwed on straight before you go back to Sweden. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard all the jokes. Hey, the Leafs are going to fly to Sweden and then just tell John Klingberg, it's okay. You don't have to come back with us. Just bring your passport and all your gear. I don't think uh, there's anything like that on the horizon. I think the Leafs understand the type of predicament that they're in and would like to find some kind of solution to rehab him and his game. Uh, I'm not entirely sold that that's possible. I think there's a lot of work that too much work that would need to be done uh, based on where his game has been for the last 18 months. And some of it really does feel mental more than physical. Um, He's not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination, but when you are that rattled as he appears to be at times and also getting hammered continuously taking hits on the wall because you cannot make decisions or move the puck quickly enough that begins to be really problematic. And the Leafs have felt that and owned that through almost the first quarter of the season. In a similar vein is the conversation about bolstering that blue line, uh, maybe with picking at the carcass of the Calgary Flames. Uh, carcass already. Well, okay. It's carcass it's decomposing. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Tanev Zadorov of names that we heard the other day when they were in town. I wonder if you're hearing anything more on that or if it's a wait and see if Calgary can, you know, come back to life. How about that? It's a wait and see, and I'm not entirely sure that the Calgary Flames are holding their breath thinking that they're going to be back in the mix. I think they understand that there's something missing with this group, an ingredient. It might be more than that. Um, They understand that the math is already, at this point in the season, working against them. And unlike the Oilers, who we all think could rattle off 10 wins in a row at some point, and in fact, with three now, maybe on their way to doing just that, That same kind of hope doesn't exist for the Flames, but here's where they're at. Uh, I can also tell you the Flames thought that they'd have more interest and conversation going right now on some of their defensemen. You get to this point in the year and not everyone wants to make a trade. There's a lot of teams that are content and or trying to figure out exactly what they do or don't have. And so that's been pretty quiet. I think they were thinking that especially by virtue of that Zadarov trade request coming out, which by the way, they learned about on social media that they would have gotten more phone calls. There would have been more of a buzz, but last I checked in uh, before getting on a plane to come over here about 36 hours ago, they didn't have much going. Do you think Trilliving has like in a, a built-in advantage given that a lot of the potential defensemen available are from the team that he used to manage or does it complicate matters? Like it, it seems like almost that it's written in the stars already when I guess Calgary doesn't have to feel that same way. Well, written in the stars in what way? Because he knows the player? No, that it's just like, I, I don't know if this is all preordained, but Zadorov coming out and saying that as they're in Toronto, Toronto's need for a, like it just seemed like, hey, this is all too coincidental, no? Well, it definitely wasn't coincidental. Mm-hmm. Um it was pretty on the nose if we're being honest and not exactly subtle. Um, 
I thought from that perspective, especially the way in which the Flames were surprised, the situation could have been handled a lot better. Um, Look, in Toronto, in a market that was ablaze for five days before that because of the defensive zone play, Zadaroff has an enormous hit and a goal, and you're thinking... Okay, like like right now was exactly the time that you needed to drop it. And I know a couple of his teammates reacted like, really? Like that seems a little selfish. And he had to answer for that, I'm told. He had told his teammates that uh, he was unaware that his agent was doing that. I don't know if you guys buy that, and I don't. <laughs> um, but that being the case, um, I don't think that the Leafs were aware and or in on it and sitting waiting on it and Look, I I don't have any, at least to my knowledge or understanding, um, insight that the Leafs have been in dialogue or any sort of significant dialogue with the Calgary Flames with regards to either Zadaroff or Tanev or whoever it might be. Last one for you, Frank. Uh, Patrick Kane's name has been floating about a little bit uh, with more frequency here in the last week or so. Uh, There's been some links, at least some conversation about the Leafs. That seems a little far-fetched to me. What do you understand about the latest when it comes to Patrick Kane's future? I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs met with Patrick Kane on Monday before flying out to Sweden. I don't have any details on how that meeting went or what Kane's line of thinking might be since then. I think he had meetings scheduled the rest of this week, including, I believe, uh, a couple on Thursday that he's continuing the process. I think they're, I think he's ready to go. I think he's getting close to wrapping up training in Toronto and he's apparently very close to making a decision and ready to play. I would say by, you know, Friday late next week, we're probably going to hear about a Patrick Kane signing personally. I don't know again, how Patrick Kane feels about it, but I look at the Leafs and I say, Yeah, it's a free asset. It's a great player that I think just even watching the videos is tantalizing to dream about what Patrick Kane might be like if his hip truly is fixed and he's not the player that he was last season and maybe a little bit beyond that. But at the same time, I'm going really not what the Leafs need by any stretch of the imagination. Just go back to what Sheldon Keefe was saying before. We talk all this, you know, spend all this time talking about all the goals and pretty plays that the Leafs make, but not enough on their defense and the pucks going in their net. And that's been where the problem is. It's not new. I'm not breaking any news for you when I say that. But um, nonetheless, the Leafs are on the list. I just don't know if they'll be there next week. That's what we need to see. All right, Frank, great stuff. Appreciate you staying up past midnight. Uh, Get some rest and don't get too jet light. We'll chat with you next week, maybe when you're back. Appreciate it. Uh, I can just give you a little preview. Rest is not in my very near future. Well, then keep tweeting out uh, Zadorov and Tanev rumors for us, all right? (laughs) See you guys. Bye, Frank. Frank. That's Frank Cervelli uh, from Avicii Arena in Sweden. I wonder what Patrick Kane covets. Like, it's obvious that it's opportunity, right? But if it's a money thing, like if he just wants to do the Jason Spezza career transition program thing like I've been talking about, and it's a million dollars because he just wants to play wherever, I mean, it opens up endless opportunity for him. But if he's like, yeah, I kind of want to make, you know, a decent amount of money while I live out, you know, age mm-hmm. 35, 36, 37 seasons, then it dwindles the list considerably. He can't play for the Maple Leafs at over $4 million, can he? At a million, you can do anything. But four million, I can't see how that's even an option. And where he would fit in this Maple Leafs lineup. Because right now, that 
I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Where do you think? Uh, probably third line right wing, no? Yeah. It, but does Patrick Kane want to be a third liner? <laughs> well, he, if, he, if he doesn't want to be a third liner, he's not signing with the Maple Leafs. It's easy to look at what they have. Mitch That's Martin... Right. There's nowhere else and to go. And what's clicking right now for Maple Leafs, their third line. <laughs> that's that's true. Not like William Nylander, though. And not like, I guess, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. It's going to be interesting. Like, the guy's got a incredible winning championship pedigree, but he just went through hip ref- surfacing surgery. And he's coming back in the middle of a season. It's not the beginning of a training camp. Like, you got to get right back into game shape, game feel, game hands, everything. I know, obviously, he's been training hard, but... Kind of hard to get thrust into a lineup and expect to be a top-line producer right away. So you have to maybe, you know, meet in the middle. Are you going to be a third liner if you're Patrick Kane? Well, that's where you might be on the Maple Leafs uh, do, if are they you, can afford are you. Are you accepting scraps in terms of power play ice time? That's it. Like, there's a, a couple sacrifices you'd have to make to be a Maple Leaf in a sense. Like, And are you ready to make those sacrifices? Because I think... Any player at a certain point's like, okay, I either stop playing or I accept a reduced. But role. he just went through hip resurfacing surgery to not, you know. Have you done that? Yeah, actually. Yeah. And it was pretty hard. To I don't think mine's the exact same as his. Mine wasn't resurfacing, but I had hip surgery, torn labrum, just like mm-hmm. I'm sure he did. It's probably very similar. It takes a long time to feel like you're in, you know. <laughs> and he hasn't felt right for a while, yeah. and that's why the the injury or the surgery happened. I don't know. If it's a million dollars, I do it every time. Oh, a million If he just wants sure. to be a Maple Leaf, he probably can. But if it's like, hey, I still want to make some money and I can make $4 million with the mm-hmm. Dallas Stars and have just as good of a chance of winning. Or does he want to win? Like, do you go no, through? No, but you have a good chance of winning yeah, and yeah, you can make Dallas money. Yeah, the Dallas Stars are a perfect example. If you can get to the Dallas Stars and produce on there, they could be a Stanley Cup roster and you might be able to contribute. He basically, for it to be with the Maple Leafs, he basically has to accept every concession and be like, yeah, that's just where I want to play. And Jason Spessa himself into a role. Yeah. I love that program. (laughs) Giordano thriving in it right now. He's going to be the next one in line for sure. Um, All right. That was great with Frank. Uh, We've got Ben Verlander in about 10 minutes to help us talk about Shohei Otani. Imagine the Leafs get Kane. The Blues get Shohei. The Raptors. Win the in-season tournament. There you go. Uh, That's exciting for them. All right, time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Um, looking at the NHL schedule tonight, we've got the Vancouver Canucks at the Calgary Flames. That's on uh, our regional channels at 9 p.m. Canucks' money line is plus money. Uh, who's one of the best teams in the NHL right now? The Vancouver Canucks. Who has the top three scores in the NHL? I believe it's the Vancouver Canucks. Who's on the second night of a back-to-back? I don't even care. The, the Canucks, Canucks plus money, the road dogs, I'm going to take them for my pick tonight. Um, I'm loving it. Then I just talked about the Flames being a carcass, so prove me right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot riding on that. Uh, Sportsnet tonight, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. OKC, my guy, SGA. Oh, yes. In Golden State, OKC is three-point favorites with uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green out. I, I think this is, like, I would jump all over the three, but I'm getting aggressive. I'm yes, teasing it up to minus nine and a half. I think OKC goes in there and absolutely wipes the floor with Golden State because Golden State's not Golden State without Steph Curry. And I think this Thunder team will want to go in there and just stunt on them. So I like OKC in a blowout to win by 10 or more plus 215 tonight. You know my mom's a big Golden State Warriors fan, so. But she's a bigger Steph Curry fan. And she's watching this, so. She's probably turned the TV off now. Thanks, Justin. They lost us a fan.
That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. All right, we got um, a loaded second half here. Ben Verlinder will join us for Fox Sports and host of the Flipping Bats podcast. If you missed it earlier, the Shohei rumors are intensifying or we're going to intensify them ourselves. Uh, a, a report saying that a rival executive, this is from Ken Rosenthal, said that the Blue Jays could be a sleeper pick for Shohei Otani. Well, this guy, Ben Verlander, knows Shohei better than I think most people would. Uh, so we'll go through the Shohei rumors with him. We'll talk a little bit about the A's, who no longer will be in Oakland. They will be in Vegas, which is... Yeah, but in like seven years. It's a weird situation where the Oakland Athletics will not call Oakland home, but they won't call Vegas home until 2028. So... So we'll get to the bottom of that. So what happens next? <laughs> we'll take a break. Uh, we'll be back on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The Fan, it's the Fan pregame with Ailish and Justin. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on the fan pregame Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ailish Forfar, Justin Cuthbert. We're going to get into a little baseball chat, a little Blue Jays action potentially uh, with our next guest, Ben Verlander of Fox Sports and host of the Flipping Bats podcast. Ben, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, we needed the Shohei Whisperer today. Uh, of course, we had to come to the source. Uh, we're hearing, we're seeing, we're getting all the mumblings that maybe the Blue Jays are a sleeper team for Shohei Otani. How real and how excited should we be getting about this? Uh, I've definitely seen and heard the the rumors of him them being a sleeper team. And, you know, there, there's a lot of rumors flying around. But there's also places where they're not flying around. So what I'd say is you'd rather be on the side where there are rumors to it. Um, and I, I do think anything is possible in, in free agency when it comes to Shohei. Uh, I think the first time around, there were a lot of different um, thoughts in his head about how he wanted to go about it, where he wanted to play, geographic location. Now it's about winning and it's about the future and it's about playing somewhere that's going to be set up to win for a long time to come. And I do think the Blue Jays are on a short list of teams there that are able to do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, like I said, you'd rather be on the side of things of being rumored to have it than not. Uh, you, that's definitely true. The way you're smiling, no. The way yeah, you're smiling is giving that. me. There's like it, sleepers can mean two things, right? Or one of two things. It can mean like, hey, there's a good ch- or there's a decent chance a team we didn't think about might be in the running or there's this team that's being floated out there because someone else wants them to be floated out there for whatever reason. We've seen the Blue Jays be, for lack of a better term, used before in this type of space. Is there a possibility there that they're just being thrown out there because someone else wants there to be another team involved and maybe the Blue Jays are an easy one to pick? Yeah, you know, if I've learned anything over the last few years of of doing what I do now, it's that it it's a game that's happening between all these teams and agents and owners and GMs. And there are absolutely times where things get thrown out uh, just to kind of stir the pot a little bit. I think it's happened often over the last few years with the the Padres and the Dodgers and just to stir the pot, raise money, all that sort of thing. And I absolutely think that could be happening. And I, I would almost guarantee it's happening with the Shohei sweepstakes of, you know, you hear all these teams rumored. 
So then you, you hear another, you, you get another team put in there just to raise the price even more, if that's even possible. I mean, we're talking probably half a billion dollars here, but yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Anytime you hear a team name, uh, especially, well, so-and-so could be a sleeper. Uh, well, next thing you know, that could just be raising the price for a division rival to, to have to pay a little bit more. So you mentioned that like what matters to Shohei maybe has shifted just a little bit. And I, I, you know, I believe he's always wanted to win, uh, but maybe uh, things have changed in terms of like how far he will go to pick the best spot. Maybe he's not going to Tampa to pick the best spot if that would be the best spot, but there's going to be a different sort of way he views this. When did that all change for Shohei? Like when did his his uh his priority go from hey i feel comfortable here to hey i'm going to the spot that puts me in the best position to win i honestly think it's it's been after years of for lack of a better word misery with the angels uh when you're supposed to win and you're not winning and then it all comes crumbling down every year it feels like they've done it a different way so I think when he first came over, the Angels were a great spot, geographically in a great spot, a good fan base and all of that. But after years of just going through letdown and, uh, you know, he just won MVP again after years of being the best player in the world and one of the greatest players of all time and really not even being able to come close to sniffing the playoffs at any point. It's exhausting. And, you know, he's he's said as much before after seasons of I, I just I just want to win. And I feel like I'm doing the best I can and trying to carry the team. And man, I, I just can't imagine uh, being legitimately one of the best players of all time, trying to do everything you possibly can do and in ways that nobody's ever done before, putting the team on your back. And it just isn't enough. And it has to wear you down at some point as a human being. And I feel like it's gotten to the point where he's worn down and, and tired of it. I know you mentioned that maybe geography less important now, uh, but what about the other stuff like culture, like the market, uh, the ballpark, fandom, and maybe being the only team in a country? I mean, there's only one place you could say that that works. Uh, how much of that? <laughs> Back to the Blue Jays. Yeah, how much of that really does matter, though? Because there's a huge cultural impact that Shohei could have in any city that he goes to. I think it has a big impact, and if you know um, anything about Shohei the person, and I was fortunate enough to sit down with him for an hour last year for the searching for Shohei thing that I did with him. And one of the things I asked him was, what is your ultimate goal? Like, what do you, what do you want? Um, and I, in my head, and this was after an MVP award in my head, I was sort of thinking baseball wise accomplishments on the field, but he took that in a different direction and said, uh, what I want is for people to, to know who I am. And he said, I do think people in the baseball world know who I am, but I, I would love to grow the sport in a way that uh, maybe people that don't know anything about baseball uh, learn who I am and gravitate towards the sport and fall in love with the game of baseball. And I really thought that was an incredible answer. And, and that's really what he wants is ultimately to grow the game, to grow the sport. He wants to be a blueprint for people to do what, what he's done in his career and I absolutely think a big market um, is is really valuable to him and something he he looks uh, very fondly at and something that's very important to him is being able to have that big market to essentially accomplish his goal of just continuing to grow the sport and, and grow as uh, himself. The craziest thing about this conversation is that like this is a diminished asset compared to what he was six months ago or before, you know, the injury. Uh, we're talking about a baseball player who's not going to be able to bring 
the extent of his power to the next team he plays for at least uh, right away. Uh, uh, maybe this still applies, but let's say there was no issue. Let's say Shohei was the peak Shohei arriving day one to this new team. Would we be talking about anything crazy when it comes to negotiation, like slabs of ownership, like something that just goes beyond money? Would we be talking about something that would like transcend even normal contract negotiation? And are we still maybe talking about that? So I, I've thought about that a lot. Shohei's interesting in himself because he's one of the greatest players of all time. So naturally, it's, you know, he's still going to get close to half a billion dollars. And one, the thought goes to at what point is money like at, at what point do you do something else you know like a uh lionel messi type deal with the like inner miami and soccer he's part owner of that team um so yeah absolutely something that's come to my mind also with shohei it's interesting because in and the players union i don't think would would have this but you know I, I think an important question to have is how long is shohei going to be able to do both um and I hope it's 20 years, but is it more realistic to say three years, five years, 10 years? I don't know. But if you're going to give a guy a 10 year deal, it's really interesting to look at it as what are you, what are you paying? You're paying for the two way player, but you also have to realize you're also paying for a brand. You're paying for people to sit in the seats. You're paying for merchandise. You're paying to have an entire country watching you do what he's doing so i think this negotiation is arguably the most interesting of all time in sports and i, I do think there's going to be ways that teams get creative with it instead of just maybe saying here's half a billion dollars we'd love to have you on our team okay so i know we said sleepers but if you had to pick a front runner i mean we look at the betting odds and the blue jays you have to scroll a little bit or press the field unfortunately <laughs> Um, but in your, in your pulse today, and I know it can change every day. Today's November 16th. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow there's a different answer, but who would be the most likely landing spot for Shohei? I've been saying all along, I think the most likely landing spot is the Dodgers, but as the days go on, I'm, I'm getting increasingly more and more, uh, I don't want to say excited cause I'm not a fan of the Cubs, but I, I feel like if I'm a Cubs fan, I'm getting more and more excited about Shohei because the the rumors just seem to intensify and intensify. And it starts with they're going to be heavy, heavy players. And then it says there's interest there. And then I don't know. I just feel like every day I wake up and go look at it and you're hearing more and more and more about the Cubs. So I don't know. My gut reaction still <laughs> says he finds a way to end up with the Dodgers. Um, but as of right now, I, you know, I, I also think the Cubs are probably the second most likely team. Uh, I got one more Shohei adjacent for you. Um, it was from Ken Rosenthal's article today, which kind of helped, you know, spark our discussion. But he mentioned something about how the Jays' plans to sign Vlad and Bo might be on hold. And I wonder for you if you're surprised that the Blue Jays haven't been able to or haven't, you know, prioritized at this point signing two of these young superstars. Uh, I don't know if that's connected to needing to have money for Shohei, but I mean, that's something that we discuss all the time in this market. I wonder from your outside perspective if that's interesting to you. I think very much so interesting. I, I think uh, you're learning a lot right now by what teams are doing. Um, I, I think Shohei is is holding up the market, not in a bad way. I just think teams that at are, that are at all trying to sign him, I think are are doing things that are noticeable right now. And the Blue Jays holding off on Vlad and Bo, I think, says – yeah, we're going to we're going to try and go after Shohei. At least see how close we can get. 
And if you see some things starting to happen with them, I would say they've probably diverted plans and realized that they need to go in a different direction. But I think there's a, a list of probably about 10 teams right now that are um, holding things close to their chest and, and waiting to see what happens with Shohei and waiting to see how interested in, in their team he might be. But I absolutely think that that's a factor with, uh, with the Blue Jays right now. Uh, chatting with Ben Verlander, host of the Flipping Bats podcast. Uh, the biggest news of the I don't even know if it's the biggest news of the day. Shohei is the biggest news <laughs> always. Uh, but it was the Oakland A's officially making plans to go to Vegas. You asked for the most creative one-word answer <laughs> to describe the A's move to Vegas. Do you have the most creative answer that you can share on live radio? A uh, lot of bad words. Uh, <laughs> a lot of bad words. Uh, there... It it really does suck, man. Like I, you know, like after after this passes and you can um, move on. Obviously, I'm excited to see what happens with baseball in Las Vegas. But as of right now, as a fan of the game, uh, as a guy that's been to the Oakland Coliseum and seen those fans up close and personal and how good they are, um, I I feel for them. It it sucks. It really does. And it's 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 a sad day for the game that this has happened the way it's happened and. Uh, I'm frustrated at, at John Fisher. I'm frustrated at the way he's handled everything. Uh, it almost feels like an excuse to move when in reality, since he's taken over a long time ago, they've been in the bottom half of the league in payroll every single year. And the majority of those are somewhere between 25 and 30 in payroll. Uh, so I don't really know what he, what he wants or what he expects. I, th I think what he wants is, is more money. So I think what we need is more owners that love baseball and, and love seeing a winning product out on the field. And John Fisher is not one of those. And I don't know how snapping your fingers and moving to Las Vegas is going to change that. And if it's going to open up his pocketbook, uh, I, I tend to not think that's going to be the case. So, uh, yeah, it just it sucks, to be quite honest with you. But eventually, uh, when it gets closer to the A's playing in Vegas, uh, I'm going to be excited to, to see how that goes. But as of right now, I just feel for those fans in Oakland. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't snap your fingers and get them to Vegas. I mean, the Vegas... <laughs> not being ready maybe till 2028 i mean th this moratorium period like like how gross is that going to be like what are they going to do like how is the, how are they going to how are they going to like front a semblance of a baseball team or organization when you don't have a home for a half decade yeah that was kind of, i i had this thought in my head today as well of well, you know, like over the next three years, who's going to want to sign with the A's? But then I was like, well, over the last three years, who wants to sign with the A's? Well, nobody, nobody wants to play there. They're not handing out money. So I think it's just going to be more of the same. And I think what's going to happen, unfortunately, is we're going to look back in three years or whatever it is on the last five years of Oakland A's or Vegas A's baseball and think that's probably the worst five years for any organization in the history of baseball. That's the direction it's heading. And um, hopefully I'm wrong, but I, I, I really don't see how in the next three years they're going to be able to put together a competitive uh, roster. I, I just don't see a way. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's going to be ugly uh, until it's not. It'll be shiny and it'll be all Vegasy and everything will be good, but it's going to be uh, pretty bad until 2028. Ben, we appreciate you coming on today. This was fun uh, and we'll do it again soon. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ben. It's Ben Verlin, host of the Flipping Bats podcast. One or two minutes before we connected with him, so that must have been six thirty one or two. Shohei won another MVP unanimously, okay. and he still got time to connect with us on video and get his tweet out. So, guys, on the beat, he's on the pulse of Shohei. He's locked in. So, yep. another MVP for Shohei. 
will he be adding an NL MVP <laughs> after this? Chicago Cubs, LA Dodgers. It seems like we talked about how, hey, can you be adjacent to the Blue Jays mm-hmm. at least? But it feels like, you know, the top two right now would be National League teams switching leagues. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like that. Yeah, we see him less. A lot less. It's Although we didn't see him much in Anaheim either. True, but it gave they us like, like 740 starts there, like 1040 it's games. Like it's awful. It's weird. Um, okay, well, the Shohei, I, I feel encouraged, but he had a little smile, a little smirk about being a sleeper team. They're just trying to be nice. I know. We tried. I feel like there's, I don't know, what percent chance. There's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. It's like a little one, though. Well, what are you saying the chance is? Um, how about I think that there is a 7% chance. 7%. That's, that's pretty high, I think. Really? Seven's pretty good. Out of all of the teams in the, in the entire league, a 7% chance? There's well, teams it, that are zero. Uh, yeah, they're, the Oakland A's are uh, less, what's less than zero. Well, what percent would you give the Blue Jays? Uh, exactly. Less than one. What? Live a little, Justin. Let yourself believe. But like, I, I do think the Blue things. Jays have an argument because they do. that's why I asked him about like what else it might take. Like, are you giving him more than just money? What can you give him? Can the Blue Jays give him more? They can than give him an team? entire country. But like, does Shohei Otani like he has another an entire other country that he represents? Yeah, that he plays for mm-hmm. that loves him. Okay, so he's already done that. The other sure. country thing, I don't think, works for Shohei. But, I mean, this entire country of, of like, you're the only team. Because it's a third country. Well, you're the only team in Canada. You're mm-hmm. not competing in with anyone else. I know, but that, that means something to us, but it doesn't mean something okay, to well, Shohei. Okay, I'm, well, if I'm talking to Shohei right now, I'm selling him on Canada, on a cultural opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm sure, yeah, I was listening to J.D., and uh, Ben Ennis this morning, and they're like, well, if you want Japanese culture, you could play in Japan. It's not like you're going to get it more here. That is true. But, I mean, you have the opportunity. If I'm if I'm selling him financially, how about a beautiful ballpark? You get to be the face of this franchise, and you will be anywhere. But our ballpark's going to be ready to rumble the second you come in. Beautiful brand spanking new. Well, That's how about, nice. How about, you know, naming rights? Yeah. Sure, I don't know how Help, that works. Maybe you own the ballpark. Well, we have to talk to our, our bosses about that one. But well, I'm it's sure going could... to take something like that, that, right? Yeah, he could be on every banner everywhere, every ticket package. I just, again, and Ben's right. Like, at, at a certain point, money doesn't mean anything because the money's great anywhere. So how can you differentiate yourself? And I'm not sure, but I'm not sure how the Chicago Cubs differentiate themselves. I'm not sure how the Boston Red Sox differentiate themselves. Well, Boston... I think, yeah, well, Boston has a long, long, long history. And I wonder how much that matters. Like, Toronto is a newer team, you know? Yeah, Boston a lot of teams have history. Yeah, Boston has a very rich heritage of baseball. But I don't know if you care about that. If it just comes down to winning, though, what's the best spot? Is it the Atlanta Braves? I hope not. Is it the Philadelphia Phillies? No, it's probably the Dodgers, sadly. The Dodgers? Yeah. I'm going to keep believing my 7%. Okay. Okay. Uh, today was a weird day because all the commissioners in the world decided to speak. I don't know if this ever happened. Yeah, some big commissioner talk. It was today. a hot commissioner day. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple commissioners. Which is kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> it is. We had a commissioner on our station just a couple hours ago. Adam Silver was on the Raptors show. We discussed this yesterday. 
about expansion. We heard the words Montreal. We got really excited. Well, he spoke to our, our Raptor show and clarified his expansion comments. Here's what he had to say. Well, what I think I said, I was talking about um, cities that have expressed interest in having an NBA franchise. There, there are no active expansion discussions going on at the league right now. And, and, and what I also said in that interview was that the Raptors have done a great job becoming Canada's team. Of course, we used to have a team in Vancouver, but once they left the market, I think the Raptors really stepped up. That was a definite, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not coming to Montreal anytime soon. He was like, pump the brakes. Let's, let's, yeah. And they're pumping the brakes hard on expansion, period. Mm. I think they're waiting. Even though we are all for it. Because we know Vegas is happening eventually. And we know LeBron is going to be involved. And it's like, hey, can we just hold off on expansion until LeBron wants to own a team? Mm. And then maybe we'll just open the floodgates and invite two, four, maybe six teams in. I'm not really sure. Maybe that's a little uh, optimistic. But it seems like they're just like, nope, nope, we're not doing it. Not even thinking about it until <laughs> LeBron wants to do it. And then they'll invite LeBron and whoever else might be in. But, yeah, you want to, you want to like, engage it. You want to dangle the 7%, like the Blue Jays for Shohei Otani, in front of Montreal because maybe there are going to be some big money there one day that could uh, force their hand. But until Vegas gets in, they're not even going to talk about it. Okay, so Adam Silver spoke. On, that was on our Raptor show. You can check out the podcast if you missed it. Uh, Gary Bettman also spoke today about World Cup, so a little bit more of an international theme as well. Uh, why there has not been a World Cup. Said there were three reasons why so far. Uh, COVID, uh, changes at the NHLPA, but then also gave an explanation for reason number three. Here's that. You know, the political climate in the world in terms of how some countries are interacting with others. And those are all factors that we've had to deal with, not by way of an excuse, because we're ultimately responsible with getting it done. But that's just the real world, world practicalities of what we've had to encounter over the last three years. In the same discussions, uh, Bill Daly said that the NHL is looking to have an international tournament in February 2025 and then wants to return to the 2026 Olympics and stage a World Cup that follows two years afterwards. They're working with the NHLPA for that. But we all want to see international hockey come back, maybe mm-hmm. working on it. But there was a couple roadblocks, as Bettman explained. Yeah, some obvious roadblocks. Uh, or, you know, it's just, he, he said, you don't really have to read, like you read between the lines, you can figure out exactly what's been happening. There's clearly issues in terms of, uh, you know, the country that a lot of players in the NHL play for. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, uh, there have been uh, significant hiccups. And I'm not sure those hiccups are going to really go away. And February 2025 sounds great. But if you just start all this again, February 2026 at the Olympics or 2026 at the Olympics, won't everyone just be happy? Mm -hmm. And you go to every two years cadence and do World Cups. That would be great. If you have 2025, sure, we'll take it. It's great. But there's nothing for me better than the Olympics. If you just will, will forgive and forget a lot of what has happened. If you just go back to the Olympics in 2026 and go there every four years. Yeah, I could care not care less, but I do care less about the International World Cup of Hockey. It'll be fun. Like, listen, last but one if was I great. can get Olympic hockey, if I can see the best in the world go for an Olympic gold medal, that means a trillion times more. It does so mean more. Focus on the 2026 Olympics. If it takes a couple more years, I'm I'm good with it. There is no reason why we shouldn't have the Olympics, 
every four years, mm-hmm. starting in 2026, 2028, we have a World Cup. Then we're back to the Olympics in 2030. We need another golden goal. And you just go back and forth. You do one that means a little bit more than the other, but the other one's fun too. Just get back into it. Um, okay, so last uh, commissioner, hot commissioner talk was Rob Manfred. Of course, we we discussed this a little earlier. Speaking to The Athletic about the A's. Oh, it's interesting. Uh, quote, I know, I know this is a terrible day for fans in Oakland. I understand that. That's why we always had a policy of doing everything humanly possible to avoid a relocation, and I truly believe we did in that case. I think it's beyond debate that the status quo in Oakland was untenable. I am absolutely convinced that there was not a viable path forward. Uh, uh, that's not true. <laughs> like, there's no way that that is like a truthful statement. I mean, it's funny because we're talking about expansion. We talk, it all circles back to Vegas. Like Vegas is this thing that the NHL, give them credit, started. It's like Vegas uh, and can everyone fix everything. wants to get there because it meet, like it is a great sports market that everyone wants to be involved in. Now you are fixing a problem and you are bringing on the solution. I mean, it could not be more obvious that you'd want Vegas over Oakland, but the process by which they got there is has been sloppy has been sloppy and is going to be just brutal because you have to wait five years to get there because you haven't even broken ground yet on a stadium it's uh it's funny you mentioned this to me off air but uh the nhl in vegas the mlb is going to be having a team in vegas but nba still waiting for their opportunity and nfl's there too yeah uh and nba is getting there Mm -hmm. i wonder though because there is one more there obviously Mm mentioning the raiders oakland Another Vegas Cup, Golden Knights Cup, before either Major League Baseball or the NBA gets there? I could see it. I could see it. They just win every five years. One of the best teams in the league right now, and they will continue to be. Um, All right, that's it for us tonight, fan pregame. We don't have a show tomorrow. I do, though. I'll be here for Molson Leafs Hockey with Gord Stellick. Game from Stockholm, Sweden. That's it. 2 p.m. It's going to be fun. All right, everyone, have a great night. Uh, We will be back on the fan pregame on Monday. Smith and Jones up next on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and you've got NHL hockey across the network. Everyone have a great night.